A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World on RNZ National with me, Alison Balance. Heart disease. Anna Pilbrow from the Christchurch Heart Institute studies the relationship between our genes and our risk of getting heart disease. So I'm really interested in why heart disease runs in families, and in particular, um, two aspects of that. So uh, I'm interested in trying to learn a bit more about the mechanisms that underlie our inherited susceptibility to heart disease, as well as trying to find new biomarkers uh, that circulate in our blood that predict who's about to have a heart attack. So what kind of heart conditions are familiarly inherited? Two that people might be familiar with, and two of the most common forms of heart disease in New Zealand, are coronary heart disease. So this is when you have a build-up of atherosclerotic plaque within your coronary arteries, and that can lead to reducing the supply of blood to the heart muscle, and that causes unstable angina, as well as if that blockage um, completely closes off, then that can cause a heart attack. And the other quite common form of heart disease uh, that um, I'm really interested in is called heart failure. And that often occurs in older individuals. That's when the the pump basically wears out. So the heart is simply unable to pump blood around the body as effectively as it normally would. If, say, your mother or your father suffered from this condition, you've got an increased likelihood of suffering from it, i.e. are you likely to have the gene involved? Yes, so both forms of heart disease, but particularly coronary heart disease, have a strong inherited component. So it's estimated that around 50% of your risk of coronary heart disease is inherited. And is it a single gene? No, no. <laughs> so that's that's the bit that I'm really interested in. So it seems like it's it's probably hundreds of genes, and um, these variants are located all throughout our genome. So how do you go about studying that? Uh, there have been some really amazing advances in technology over the last 10 years. So when I began my PhD a long time ago, we could look at maybe a handful of genetic variants in an individual in a single experiment. Now you can look at just about all of the common variation in a person um, in a single experiment. And so that's enabled a new kind of um, study to be performed uh, called a genome-wide association study. So this is where you look at all of the DNA variation in tens of thousands of patients and the genetic variation in tens of thousands of controls and you compare the frequency of these genetic variants and by looking at the at the variants that are more common or less common in the patients compared with the controls, you can pinpoint the regions of the DNA that are contributing to your increased susceptibility to heart disease. And the more you look, the more you're finding? Definitely um, the more patients we study. So it, it, it's quite a statistical challenge. And so uh, we, we really need um, large numbers of patients. And so most of this work now is done um, through large international consortia. And um, the most recent meta-analysis of coronary heart disease that was done included 60,000 um, heart disease patients and 120,000 controls. So that gives you an idea of the scale of, uh, that we need to really start to identify these variants. 
So you can identify the individual genes. Do you have any sense of how they're interacting with each other? I should point out it's not necessarily just genes. In fact, the really interesting thing about all this work, so we now know there are 60 regions of our DNA that contribute to our heart disease risk, and um, most of these regions are not in genes. So that has been the really big surprise. In fact, only about 3% of our DNA actually encodes genes and that there are these long stretches of DNA in between the genes called non-coding DNA. And in fact, uh, you might have heard of it referred to as junk DNA in the past. But we now know there's no such thing as junk DNA. And in fact, um, almost all of our uh, inherited susceptibility to complex diseases like heart disease lies in those non-coding regions. So susceptibility to heart disease is influenced by both a range of lifestyle risk factors as well as genetic risk factors. And the genetic risk factors contribute to these lifestyle risk factors such as our susceptibility to diabetes and uh, our blood pressure and our cholesterol levels. But they also act independently of those and add risk on top. So the variants are scattered throughout our DNA, um, outside our genes, um, and they don't act independently of each other. They do interact uh, with each other and they interact with these lifestyle risk factors to contribute to risk. But if you were to genotype 500 people for these 60 risk variants and rank them from those who had the highest burden of those variants to those that had the lowest burden and you took the top 20% of people with the highest uh, burden of those risk variants, then uh, those people, it's emerging that they would have about a twofold increased risk of developing heart disease over their lifetimes. But then they might be able to mitigate that to some degree with their lifestyle, so what they eat how much exercise they do. Absolutely. We're not doomed by our genes by any means. And in fact, um, there was a great study oh, a number of years ago now that showed that if you took one of these uh, genetic risk variants, uh, one of the ones that's having a stronger effect, and you looked at the lifestyle of these people, so you had people who had uh, low risk for the variant, intermediate risk and high risk, um, the high risk people could actually get themselves back down to looking like the low risk people if they ate a healthy diet. Well, that's good news. It is, <laughs> particularly for me because I carry the high-risk form for that variant. <laughs> oh, so you've got a personal investment in this research. <laughs> well, uh, many New Zealanders carry, carry these variants, so it's the key thing to remember is that most of these variants are very commonly found in the population, so about a quarter of New Zealand would carry the high-risk form for that particular variant um, that I have, and 50% of us would be intermediate risk for that one. So the first big surprise was that these variants were not in our genes, they were in the non-coding DNA, but the second big surprise that was that they were actually very common, and it's the fact that we have a combination of these things all acting together that contribute to our risk. But each, each individual variant contributes a relatively small amount of risk. So it's just making me think that you know, if, if a quarter of us are high risk and half of us are sitting in the mid-risk, then actually you're pretty damn lucky if you're one of the low-risk people. You know? that's, that's right, but I should point out that's just one of the variants, so, so there are the other 59 or so, um, and, and actually it doesn't stop there. These, these are the ones that we know are really robustly associated with increased risk of coronary heart disease. You can find other variants that are, are contributing to much smaller degree as well, and, and maybe one day uh, the list will be you know, 200 variants long. But it's a complicated matrix that you have to think about. Absolutely, absolutely. Doubly complicated by the influence of lifestyle. So just teasing out that genetic influence versus the lifestyle influence, I mean, how do you even go about doing that? 
I guess the answer to that is that we deal with, um, as much as possible, really large sample sizes. So we always try to adjust um, our analyses for these potential um, confounding factors like smoking, whether or not someone has diabetes, their age, their gender, uh, their blood pressure and their cholesterol levels. So it's amazing, actually, in Christchurch, as part of the Christchurch Heart Institute, we have recruited over the years many thousands of heart patients as well as healthy volunteers from Canterbury who who have over the years come in and very generously given uh, both blood samples and information on their personal heart health and their family history and um, often given us access to their medical records uh, to do our research. And we're very lucky to have many thousands of uh, patients and, and healthy volunteers recruited uh, to do our research. And it's those large numbers that allow us to adjust for the difficulty associated with the fact that heart disease is a complex disease, uh, a mix of both lifestyle and genetic risk factors. And then you can take that large sample size from New Zealand and then consider it alongside similarly large sample sizes from other countries as well. That's right, and in fact the director of our research group, Professor Mark Richards, he spends uh, about nine months of his year in Singapore and uh, he's recruiting heart patients in Singapore. So there have been some uh, fantastic joint studies between New Zealand uh, and Singapore. And I should mention Professor Rob Doughty in Auckland University, he's also very intimately involved in these studies, and we can start to make comparisons between different uh, ethnic groups and look at the different lifestyle and genetic risk factors in these populations. But I think the most important thing I've heard you say today is that idea you are not doomed by your genes. Absolutely not. <laughs> or even you're not doomed by your genes and the bits of DNA in between your genes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. That was Anna Pilbrow from the Christchurch Heart Institute at the University of Otago in Christchurch. And last month, Anna won the Thermo Fisher Scientific Award for Excellence in Molecular Biology at Queenstown Research Week. Thanks for listening. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World Story first aired on RNZ National on October the 26th, 2017. Want to know more? Just search for Our Changing World on rnz.co.nz. We're also on the new and improved RNZ app, which you can download for free from the Apple or Google stores. And you can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another RNZ podcast you might like to try is the new series, The Long Way Home. Join actor Bruce Hopkins as he walks the length of New Zealand along Te Araroa Trail. Bye for now. Noho ora mai rā. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.